Hey all, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Coming up on today's show, Dr. John Oswalt joins me to talk about holiness. In Leviticus 14, verses 44 to 45, the Lord said to his chosen people, I am Yahweh, your God. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. I am Yahweh, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So, if we're Christians, we're called to be holy. But what exactly is holiness? At its base, it simply describes the difference between the divine and the human. The divine is holy, and the human is not necessarily holy. So it's, it's just that difference. And I suppose that most of us have heard that definition, that holiness means that God is totally other than all of his creatures. But... But what the Hebrews discovered was there's only one God. There's only one being who is really different from the whole world, one creator. And that means there's only one holy character. So suddenly it becomes possible to say, yeah, there's holy essence that which distinguishes God from us, but there's also holy character, and that's Yahweh's character. The call to holiness is simply this, the call to become like God, not in his essence, but in his character. And as Dr. John says, if God is good, then the fact that I can be holy is really good news. That's what's coming up. Here we go. Well, we've got a really special treat for you today. Um, several months ago, we invited Dr. John Oswalt to come to Pure Life Ministries to conduct a series of special meetings for the students in our residential program. And so, since he was here, we decided to do a two-part podcast with him. Um, Dr. John Oswalt is the visiting distinguished professor of Old Testament studies at Asbury Theological Seminary and the author of 16 books, including a two-volume commentary on the book of Isaiah. He was also the senior translator for the prophetic books on the New Living Translation Project. Um, But holiness is way more to him than an academic subject. It's very personal, and I think you'll pick up on that as you listen to this interview. Anyway, enough with the pleasantries. Here's the interview that I conducted with Dr. John Oswalt. Okay, so um, I've got an interesting guest with me in the studio, Dr. John Oswalt. Um, The connection between Dr. O, I think, is that kind of what people (laughs) call you? Dr. O and uh, Pure Life happened probably several months ago. I'm not even completely sure how that happened. Uh, I think Pastor Steve found you on on the web. Yes. Kathy had seen my uh, videos on YouTube, and she was very excited about them, and she talked to Steve, and Steve found me. Okay, (laughs) yeah, that's great. So Pastor Steve thought that the best thing that you could do would be host some special meetings, four different meetings over four days, specifically on the topic of holiness. And um, 
I guess that's something that you've studied for a long, long time. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Okay. Did that specifically come because of your work in Isaiah? No, it really preceded that. I went to Taylor University in Indiana, and while there, really dealt with the issue of who would be king in my life. And that really is the heart of what holiness is about. And uh, when I made that decision that, yes, he would be king, then I began to try to understand what does that mean? What does it mean for him to be truly in charge of a life? And I really didn't have language at that point to try to express what I was wrestling with, what I was dealing with. By God's grace, I went to Asbury Theological Seminary, and there I got the language. <laughs> I got the concepts to talk about this kind of an experience of totality. And uh, that really, for me, was great good news that I could experience victory over sin, that I could live a life that would please him. Not one that was perfect performance or anything else, but one that simply was in tune with his will. And you know, I've, I've thought about that again and again in Romans 12, 2, when it talks about God's good and perfect and pleasant will. I think most people think of the will of God as painful and difficult and troublesome. And Paul's trying to say, no, 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 <laughs> do God's will, live in his life, and it's going to be wonderful. Mm. And so that really has shaped my life and my thinking ever since. And, and so my work in Isaiah then just fed into that and uh, built on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, holy or holiness— these aren't really words that we use in everyday language. They're they're just like set aside for the spiritual context that we're in or whatever. So I think it's probably easy for us to not have a clear definition of it. Yeah. Use it in ways that really don't make sense to us, but we've used, learned to just say the words. Mm -hmm. um, how do you define holiness? Well, it's really got two levels, and it's got two levels because of who God is. <laughs> At its base, it simply describes the difference between the divine and the human. The divine is holy, and the human is not necessarily holy. So it's, it's just that difference. But what the Hebrews discovered was there's only one God. There's only one being who is really different from the whole world, one creator. And that means there's only one holy character. So suddenly it becomes possible to say, yeah, there's holy essence, that which distinguishes God from us, but there's also holy character, and that's Yahweh's character. So holiness can be talking about God's otherness, but it can also be talking about his holy character that he means to share with us. And so in that sense, holiness is godliness, God-likeness hmm. in terms of God's behavior and our behavior. Okay, so maybe to try to clarify this for people who didn't understand or have questions about that, if 
let's say that God wasn't in the picture and all that was in the picture is just humans and everything else. You could say that because humans are different than every other thing, mm. then that kind of sets us apart. Yes, in terms of our capacities, um, okay. but we're still created. Mm. God's the creator. <laughs> we're the created. <laughs> and so the created doesn't have holiness in itself. The created has to get it from somewhere else, namely God. Okay, so because God is different than everything, yes, that is one aspect of holiness. Exactly. But then what you're saying is that his character yes. is also an aspect of holiness. So whatever he is... Yes. Is actually holy. Yes. And you you make a good point because we are persons and he is a person because we're in his image. We can share not his essence, but we can share his character. Hmm. Whereas the dog <laughs> is not a person. Now, we've had dogs all our lives and they certainly have <laughs> right. a personality. <laughs> right. But they're not persons like we are. And so you can't talk, you can't expect a dog to be holy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you can expect a human person to share the personal character of God. Okay, so one of the ways you talked about it in the special meetings with the students was that if something is separated to God for his use, yes. it's it becomes designated as holy. That's right. That's um, right. But... How does, here's here's where that the essence thing comes in a okay. bit. That thing is now another quality, another character. It can't be used for ordinary daily stuff. It's got to be used only for God stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in that sense, we when we give ourselves completely to God, are now His possession, and hmm. we're used for Him. Okay, so when the Bible talks about, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, that when Paul addresses people, he addresses them as saints, yes, right? Yes, And they kind of talk about it as if it's like a label. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that because you believe in Jesus and you went yes. through whatever ritual yes. or whatever, yes. now you're designated yes. as a saint. Yes, yes. But then you wonder... But I don't see anything different uh-huh. about them. That's that's great. That's exactly what Paul does in First Corinthians. He says, "I'm writing to the saints in Corinth, <laughs> the holy people in Corinth, who are called to become holy." Oh wow! So yes, since you're a Christian. You are a special quality of person. You belong to God, and you're his possession. You're holy in terms of your position, in terms of your label. Now, let's work that out. Mm. Now, let's bring that to a reality in a changed character in your life. And so then, if a person looks at their life, and just over long years, they don't see any change— there's a real question, have I been designated? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Am I really his? Am I really a vessel in his temple being used for his purposes alone? Hmm. So 
What part do we play in this process? <laughs> the thing that I have seen in my own life and in the lives of others is the thing that above everything else prevents us from sharing God's character. And, and what are we talking about? We talked about it in the service the other night. His absolute reliability, his goodness, his justice, his rightness, his love. The thing that prevents us from manifesting those on a regular daily basis is our self-will. And the average person who accepts Christ has no idea that this is the situation in their lives. And I, I compare it to the Hebrew people at Sinai. When God says, you're going to do all these things? They say, sure. Well, they don't have their fingers crossed. <laughs> They're not being insincere as far as they know. Yeah, I'm going to do this. It makes sense. You look at those commandments. There's nothing bizarre there. You know, you've got to jump 15 feet straight up and stay there for five minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's nothing cruel there. You've got to eat your kids. There's nothing crazy. You've got to eat dirt. It's straightforward stuff. So they say, well, sure, we're going to do that. Five weeks later, they're dancing around a golden idol, praising it for having delivered them from Egypt. What happened? There's something in us that says, oh, yeah, I want God's way, but I want my way too. And my sense is, as a Christian, you are basically going to be stymied in sharing God's character until you come to that place of allowing him to crucify your will. Mm. And the Bible uses all kinds of different language for it. Uh, you've taken off your old clothes. Now take them off. <laughs> yeah. You are dead to sin. Now die. And I've often said, I'd like to see Paul go into a funeral home and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's lying in the casket and Paul says, now die. <laughs> <laughs> but what he's saying is, when you accepted Christ, a potential was planted in your life. Now that you know you've got a problem, open the door and allow him to take control of your will. And that means now that real progress in holiness becomes possible. Real progress in sharing his character and living his life because that thing has been dealt with. Hmm. And that's really that's really what happened to me back at Taylor University. I mean, again, I, I didn't have the language, but I just knew that there was a conflict between John and Jesus in my life. And there had to come a place where there was no more conflict. Yeah, I, that's really good, because one of the questions that I had as I was contemplating this was that I think all of us struggle to define holiness and probably depending on your background, church culture or whatever, you've got your own definition. I think one definition is sort of relegated to a list of things that you do or don't yes. do. Yes. And this is why a lot of people have a negative response when you begin to talk about holy or holiness because that's what they think of. They think of, oh man, you got to do this and you got to not do that and you, and yes 
there are things that we have to leave behind and there are things that we have to take on. But above everything else, and, and I try to say this all the time in my preaching, holiness is not an it. Holiness is Jesus. Mm. Holiness is allowing Jesus to have full control of your life and reproduce himself in you. And yeah, that'll mean you don't do some stuff. And that'll mean you do do other stuff. But it's not about, well, I got to conform to this list or he's going to get me. Mm. It's, Jesus, how can I please you? Jesus, how can I make you glad? Yeah, and I think probably some people when they kind of, I'm not sure how you would say, like you can live in that system for a while and be satisfied maybe, but eventually maybe you come alive to this thing that like, I'm doing all this stuff, but nothing's changing on the inside. Exactly. And that's in the um, second chapter of Colossians. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, you know, All these rituals, they have an appearance of discipline and of godliness, but they are unable to control the passions. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because it's Jesus who does this. It's Jesus who, living his life in us, enables us to lay aside our desires. And if, if you don't have the living Christ in you, you don't have the power to live the life. Yeah, so you talked about how you've got to come to this point where your self-will is crucified so that his life is developed in you. Yes. His rightness, his justice, yes. his—I can't remember all truth. the ones. His truth, his mercy. <laughs> his love. Yeah, so that's very much a I am being— revolutionized on the inside. Yes, 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 yes. So from that point of like that event, that moment, or however that works out, then how have you seen or how have you watched God do it in other people through the long experience of becoming what God's training you to be? Well, it really is giving God total access to your inner life. And that is going to take time. It's Mm. going to take time for him to, especially, you know, some people have really been messed up in their backgrounds. Uh, We've got so many broken families today. It's just, it's heartbreaking to me. So that people come with an incredible amount of baggage. Mm. And it's going to take time for God to reveal, hey, hey, John, do you see how you react when somebody criticizes you? Hmm. Hmm. No, I hadn't, but now I do. Could I could I make a change in that? Yes, Lord, please, please. I have always had a problem with envy. Hmm. Struggled with it. Struggled with it. People get an hmm. honor that I have, I don't deserve, I didn't do it, but I, I want <laughs> right, it, I right. want it. And, and for a long time, I, I beat myself about that. You know, you call yourself a holy person, and yet you have this kind of a, a thing going on. And it was, it was really through a series of sermons that I heard, the Lord, through those, began to show me that my father never encouraged me. I always felt like I was a disappointment to him. 
I always felt like I never could do things right. Try harder, do better. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I realized, oh, there's a little boy in here saying, won't somebody please appreciate me? <laughs> and when I realized that, I could say, I didn't say it to my dad out loud. He wouldn't have understood it. It would have just hurt him. But I could say in my heart, Daddy, I forgive you. I forgive you for not being God. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which I expected. I, I'll allow you to be human and to be a failure in one area. He, he was a good father in, in most areas. But there it was. Ah. Now, I still have that emotion from time to time, but I know where it comes from. And I can say, no, I don't want that. <laughs> it's yours. Mm. Take it. That's where I think growth in holiness comes. We really are allowing God free access mm. to our innermost lives. And he begins then to, it's like an onion. And it's, it's what I said last night. I keep thinking he's going to get to the bottom of this swamp. <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> but it's a better swamp than it used to be by a long shot. And that's where... Another illustration that I've used is that the moment of sanctification, the moment of holiness, is when you allow him to crucify your self-will. That's like a huge building being exploded. You know, they set the, the dynamite and everything, and there comes the moment, boom, bam, that building is gone in a moment. But it's going to take months to haul all that rubble off. And that's the way I like to think of it. Yeah, there's got to come a moment when the building comes down. Boom, it's gone. I am his, all his. Now then, okay, Lord, here's some rubble. Yeah. Here's some pieces. Here's some trash. Yeah. Show it to me and you can have it. All right, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to break up Dr. Oswalt's interview into two parts. So make sure that you come back for next week's show as we finish up with him on the topic of holiness. Right now, we're going to finish up with the testimony of Alex. Here's his story. I was raised by a mother and father who loved me and supported me in all that I did. But I grew up not knowing the Lord and not serving God in the church. When I was 15 years old, I had an encounter with God where I heard his voice and felt his presence. Then on June 8th, 2014, I walked up at an altar call at my church to commit my life to Jesus Christ and I experienced a new way of life. However, about two and a half years after my commitment to Christ, porn crept back into my life. I had experienced a year and a half of freedom from it, but in November 2016, I made the choice to go on a porn website. I still remember the feeling of utter filth, but the videos enticed me. Slowly but surely, I watched more and more porn over the next six years. Self-gratification became an addiction that I saw no hope of getting out of. Every day I would indulge in some of the sickest fantasies in all the world. I did this all while maintaining a good Christian image, serving actively in the church, increasing my biblical knowledge through university and seminary, and knowing all the right things to say about God. I was the perfect religious hypocrite. My life was pictured on a missions trip to Southeast Asia in 2018. 
I went outwardly for the reasons of serving others and sharing the gospel, but near the end of the trip, I got a Thai massage. I took great care to clean the outside of the cup, but inwardly, I was full of greed and self-indulgence. I arrived at Pure Life Ministries on September 17th, 2022. I came to get rid of my porn addiction, hoping that nine months of abstinence would keep me going for the rest of my life, and then I could get a ministry job. How selfish my motives for coming here were, but praise God that he used them to bring me here. One month into the program, I was firmly set on leaving. Somehow, by God's grace alone, through Reagan and Skip, God kept me here, and I am so glad that he did. A few weeks later, God showed me that I was an infant in Christ and that I did not even know him. He showed me that my past eight years of spirituality were a lie and that it was all out of pride and self-righteousness. I felt like the rug had been ripped out from under me. I had no idea who I was anymore. However, in all that confusion and madness, I started to see Jesus for the first time in my life. About four months into the program, through a dual session with Reagan and Gabriel, the Lord showed me that I exalted myself to God's level, assuming that I knew the way he thought and what he wanted me to do when it was really just my own carnal thinking. Over the next several weeks, I went to the chapel and asked the Lord to show me my pride and sin, and by God's grace, I started to see my sin for the first time. It was no longer just a theological doctrine to affirm. I knew in my heart that I could offer God nothing except pride, self-righteousness, envy, and lust. I was feeling lower than I ever had in my life, but I started to understand in my heart that Jesus was my only hope and my righteousness. During my phase two interviews, God showed me through one particular interview that I needed to submit my thought life to him. My mind would wander aimlessly, thinking about myself, things not of God that I took pleasure in, and hypocritically judging others to make me feel better about myself. However, I needed to repent and instead choose to worship, give thanks, and intercede in prayer for others in my thoughts. It seemed too simple for an insane legalist and perfectionist like me. Yet the Lord has been faithful in transforming my thought life. I want to thank Pastor Steve and Sister Kathy for following God's call and starting this ministry. I want to thank all the staff at Pure Life for always pointing me to Jesus. I want to thank my counselor, Reagan, for loving me enough to rebuke me with hard truth, but also showing me God's amazing mercy when I thought I deserved judgment. I want to thank my family, especially my mom and dad, for always loving me and being there for me. Your presence in my life has meant more than words I can say tonight. Lastly, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for choosing to have mercy on me when I had no hope. You had pity upon me, a prideful and lustful know-it-all who actually knew nothing, who was destined for hell without knowing it, and you chose to reveal your love and grace to me. I will be forever grateful for the cross. I love you, Lord Jesus. Something that Dr. John said is worth repeating, I think. He said that from his own experience, people are stymied from sharing in the character of God because they've never given up their self-will. And that's really important because there's something in human nature that is willing to come to Jesus for help, but resists surrendering to him. So in that scenario, a person would come to Jesus because they want him to do something for them. They 
Maybe they want their life cleaned up, or they want a relationship fixed, or they need guidance on a particular problem. But all they really want from Jesus is help, strength, wisdom, etc. And the point Dr. John was making is that Christianity is far deeper than that. I mean, Jesus does want to help people clean up their lives, and he wants to help them fix what's broken, but if that's all a person wants, they're going to be stuck because Jesus doesn't just want our problems, he wants our hearts. He wants us. And I think I want to say it that way first, that Jesus wants us. I I remember when I first came to know the Lord, I was really shocked that he actually really genuinely loved me and wanted me. God's love was pure toward me and sincere. God is like a man who is intensely interested in a woman. He wants her. He wants to know her. He wants to be with her and enjoy her. But I do have to say this, that God's love has another dimension. His love has the dimension of exclusivity. That's not really that much different than the true love that a good man has for a woman, right? I mean, if he really loves her, he isn't satisfied with just some of her time. And especially not if she's giving her time to another rival lover, right? He isn't satisfied with just a little affection. And woe to her if she tries to give her heart to another man as well. So God is offering to share his very nature with us so that we become holy. But what he requires from us is that we give him everything we have. And if we try to keep him on the fringes of our lives, then we shouldn't be surprised if his power is on the fringes of our lives. The call to holiness is the call to bow before God as king, to give him the right of total access to our hearts and our minds and our lives. So hopefully that gives you something to think about between now and the next show where we're going to finish up this conversation on holiness. And if you're interested, Dr. Oswalt has written a book entitled Called to be Holy, and it traces the theme of holiness throughout the Old and the New Testament, showing that holiness is a consistent principle running throughout the Bible, and it will challenge you to live in the fullness of Christ. All right, that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.